Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13 on the NIV. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be, let me start again. Do not be idol, idolaters. I have it written, let me try it again. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. For it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit Im sexual immortality. Immor Let me start again. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> we should not com commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of, some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Marianne. You know, you're, that, you're not the first person to say that. I've actually had that happen before for someone to read that scripture. And I've even probably practiced sexual immortality, right? And uh, church attendance will go way up if we'll just keep preaching that, right? <laughs> So, anyway, I digress. That's not what we're talking about this morning, far from it. We've been talking about Skid Row. We're actually wrapping up, uh, the, we're wrapping up this sermon series called Skid Road, which is about how we can fall into sin and the temptations of sin. And if you remember the first week, we unpacked this diagram about how you have a desire, you get dragged away, enticed, 
and then it gives conceives, and then it gives birth to sin in our lives, and then it becomes full-grown, mature sin in our lives, and this brings about death and destruction for our lives. We kind of talk about hitting rock bottom is the phrase that a lot of people use, and we talked about this, and so today we want to talk about what's the exit strategy from this road? How do we, what are the, what's the way we get off of this road? What do we, how do we get out of temptation? Because it will happen to us. We will be tempted and there's no getting around that. So we're going to talk today about how to get off of Skid Road, how to look for that way out of that road that we're, we find ourselves on. Now, I do want to begin by just reaffirming something that Paul said here in this text today by way of telling you an illustration, uh, I actually, as a pastor, uh, have a great privilege and honor and sometimes a great burden as a pastor because people will come to me and share things with me they don't share with other people. And so they will come and confess things to me that are truly uh, hard and temptations and confessions. And I, and I, and I share this with you uh, without, I'm not gonna break any confidentiality here, but I do want you to know that in one particular situation, a, a man came to me with a confession. And when he came to me with his confession, he was, if you knew this gentleman, and this is not anybody around here, nobody in this church, but if you were to come, uh, if you, he were to come to this church with his family, you would think this guy has got it all together. You would think this is a strong Christian man with a strong Christian family. That would be your perspective on his life because you don't know what he has to confess. And he would never say anything to you or to, to anybody else, but he came to me with this confession, and it's actually a confession I've heard not just from him, but probably from many people. And he came to me in confession, he had been struggling with an addiction to internet pornography for years. He would, take, he would say all the way back from middle school, it started when he was in middle school, and here he was as a grown man, father, and as a Christian, struggling with this addiction, this, this addiction in his life. And we talked on many occasions about this, and he was always looking for, for advice, looking for wisdom, looking to fight. And there were times when he was fighting the temptation, and he was doing a really good job fighting that temptation. And in fact, he was doing great. And there'd be times where he would be free from this addiction for months at a time, and he would be doing really well. And then there were other times where he wouldn't be doing well. And he would struggle, and he would still have uh, temptations, and he would give in to those temptations, and we'd talk about that. The reason I tell you this, though, is that there were times when we would discuss things, and there were times where he would come and he would confess, but he would also want help. You know, he, he, he wanted to fight, right? But I would tell you there were other times that he would come to me as a pastor, and he didn't want to fight. <laughs> he wanted me to validate he wanted me to say it's okay. He wanted me to say just, yeah, you're, just fall on God's grace. You know, just, just extend God's grace and just, just go ahead and give in to the temptation. He actually wanted me to condone his addiction. There were times when he got mad at me as his pastor because I wouldn't condone it. And he would get angry with me. But I could tell he was so tired sometimes of fighting the, the, the temptation, right? But in those times when he would come to me and say, pastor, would you just validate this? Would you just bless my sin? <laughs> I would go, no. <laughs> and he would get upset. <laughs> but that's part of the struggle. That's part of the fight. 
But here's the thing I would say, and the reason I share that illustration with you is this, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 is this. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Setting our hearts. And here's my point. The rest of this sermon doesn't help if your heart is already set on sinning. If your heart is, if you're not in the battle, if you're not in the struggle with temptation, none of these extra strategies are going to matter because your heart is already set on that thing that you want to do, that temptation that you want to give into. Your heart is already set. And so basically the rest of this sermon (laughs) is probably irrelevant if your heart is set on that thing. So my question as we start is, what is your heart set on? Is your heart set on giving in and ceasing the fight and letting go of the, and just giving in to the temptation and just saying, whatever, I'm not going to worry about it anymore? Is it resignation? If your heart is set on just going and doing that, there, there's not much we could do. But part of this also is saying, is my, the other part of this question, and the reason that we struggle as Christians with temptation is because we've said our heart is set on God, and what God wants to do in our lives. And we made a decision as Christians to say, I want to pursue God. I want to follow God. I want to, want to know God. I want to live for God. I want my life to reflect God. And so that puts us in a different situation. <laughs> so we've now made a decision to fight temptation, to not give in to temptation. And so that's part of my, our heart setting. You know? So if my heart is set on God, if my heart is set on pleasing God and obeying God and following Jesus, then I will struggle with temptation. I will fight temptation because it's where my heart is set. So that's part of it. The other thing that Paul says here, and if you find yourself sitting here going, I don't need to hear this sermon, or I've got it all together, I don't have any temptation in my life, I don't struggle, (laughs) or I'm glad so-and-so is here this morning because they really need to hear this sermon, right? No, don't raise your hand, don't do that. Paul also gives this warning to us. He says in verse 12, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm this morning, be careful that you don't fall. You know, I walk out, we walk out to Discovery Park, and uh, we love going to Discovery Park. You probably heard me say that more than once. And when you go to the bluffs at Discovery Park, there's a sign at Discovery Park and it says, if you've seen it, unstable bluff, please stay behind the logs, right? Now, every time I see that side, I would say 90% of the time we stay behind the logs. Well, I'll get to that later in the sermon. But what I, do you know how many people, how often I see people ignore this sign and ignore staying behind the logs at Discovery Park? Every time I'm there. People ignore that sign, they go out onto the edge, they go out to the edge of the bluffs, and they look down, and at some point in some time, those bluffs are going to give way. They are going to erode. In fact, I, I learned that when it gets too dry here, that's when they start to fall apart. So rain is a good thing here in Seattle at times. So, but what I'm saying is that they, they think they're standing on firm ground. But there's a sign that says what? Be careful. That's what Paul's saying. As long as you and I are human beings, guess what? Be careful. Because <laughs> as long as we're in the body, as long as we're in this human condition, we are going to be tempted. We are going to struggle with sin. We are going to have this fight going on inside of us. We are not perfected the moment we come to know Jesus. It's part of 
the process that God uses to bring us into being the people of God. It goes on and on. So as long as we're human, we're still, the point is, we're still on unreliable ground. We're on, we're not in firm standing in this life when it comes to sin and temptation. So those are the two things. A warning that Paul gives us to say, if you think this isn't for you, be careful. And the other thing is, is that it, whatever, I, nothing can change if your heart is not set on God and, and following God. So I'm going to give you some exit strategies this morning with those two disclaimers ahead of it. So the first exit I would point you to is actually from another verse, but it's found also in Corinthians and other places of the Bible. I'm calling it exit 222. Exit 222 is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, which says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So these two pieces here again, Paul says to Timothy, flee, run away as quickly as you can. We saw that uh, with Joseph and Potiphar's wife earlier this year. And we saw this before in the James text. We, if you keep reading in 1 Corinthians here, the next, very next verse says, flee idolatry. Flee away, run away as quick as you can. So one of our exit strategies to get off of Skid Road, to get off of this slide, is to actually run away before it even starts. Just run away as quickly as you can and to get away from it. So there's always gonna be uh, temptations, and the first thing we, the first exit strategy for fighting temptation is actually just one, as soon as you notice it, as soon as you notice the temptation kicking in, run as fast as you can, get out of there. I had a, had a, 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 a way out blessing just recently. Um, now, I, I love... Uh, I, I like to eat, let me put it that way. And uh, somebody who will remain nameless, Bruce Robertson, um, <laughs> brought into our, our staff, our office, these twice-baked almond croissants. They're really good, by the way. And he brought them in, and I had a bite, and then I had to have another bite, and then they were sitting in the break room, you know, and all these things. And so they were gone. Our, our staff demolished these things, right? And so... And then uh, everybody's like, well, where did they come from? Like, we need to know the source of this great gift. And so I asked Bruce, I said, Bruce, where did you get these? And he gave me the business card. And it, it was, uh, and so, because we're thinking, we're going back. We're going to get some more of these, right? You know, we're thinking, staff meetings coming, we're going to have, you know, and, you know, everything in moderation, by the way. You know, that's what I'm thinking, you know. And uh, because, you know, I just know myself and, you know, if I had easy access to these almond croissants, I would probably eat them every week. I would eat them all the time, right? So, but then he told me where he got them. And he gave me the card, and the card was for a bakery in Mount Lake Terrace. And I said, hallelujah, I got a way out, right? You know, because I'm not going to drive there to get those, right? I, I was like, thank God there was a way out, right? And the way out is that the, the drive became more than the temptation, right? And so... I flee, I was able to flee as quickly as possible and I didn't go because it was too far away. But I'm saying this is that, so look for the, that, that was a way out for me, right? To just know it wasn't a possibility or as much a possibility, I could still get in the car and go, maybe this afternoon. <laughs> but the point is, is that we gotta get, we gotta run from it, look for that way out as quickly as possible as we look at that, so exit 222. The next exit is actually here in 1 Corinthians, exit 1013, 
chapter 10, verse 13 there. It says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now, I wrestled a lot with how to translate this verse, and so you're going to get my translation, my understanding, interpretation of this verse. But what I think this is actually saying, first of all, let me say this. A lot of people will say, or Christians, I've heard Christians say, you know, God won't give you more than you can bear, right? I think sometimes people misconstrue this as that verse, right? This is not what this verse is saying. Uh, You can look at the Bible, and the Bible is full of people who got more than they could bear. And I think sometimes when we do get more than we can bear, it's actually an opportunity for us to rely more on God. And so I don't, I don't know that that's an accurate biblical statement to say that God will never give you more than you can bear. And I think sometimes people look at this verse and assume that that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is actually saying that temptations need to sometimes, the way out of temptation is to endure it. That, that you have to endure the temptation, you actually have to work through the temptation, you have to actually fight the temptation knowing that the temptation will go away thing about temptation is that temptations don't last forever. They don't keep going on and on and on. They will stop. They will cease if you endure them and not give in to them. And so that's part of the struggle and part of the fight is it to endure temptation. The bottom line is that we can't run away from every temptation, can we? There are temptations where we're going to have to face, we're going to have to struggle with that we can't get out of, that we can't flee from, we can't run away from. For example, money. Money is a is always going to be a temptation. How we deal with money is always going to be a temptation. We, we have money. We depend on money. We have to spend money to provide for our families. This is always going to be there, right? We can't just flee from money. Anybody want to run away from money? Just, just give it all. I've not yet to see anybody flee from total money. Just give everything away, right? But what we need to do is we do need to endure the temptations of money. For example, um, I think money can become a temptation on a regular basis for us. If you're just watching TV or watching advertising, you're tempted all the time. You know, uh, take, for example, the latest exercise equipment, the latest craze. This is called the abs core workout piece of equipment. You get this piece of equipment and your abs will be, you'll have six-pack abs again if you use this, right? And you're, So can you imagine... So you've got money, you've got the money to buy this product, right? And you're sitting there in your, on your couch or on your recliner, eating Doritos, dipping them in Nutella. <laughs> cool Ranch Doritos, Nutella. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you're sitting there and you're, 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 you, know, you're sna- you have a snack and you're watching TV and you, th- you see these people with these great abs on TV and they're using this device, and you've got money. This is the temptation, right? You're thinking to yourself, man, if I just had that piece of equipment, I would work out every day. Right? Do you think that if, because you and I, and we, what we do is we think that if we have that, that then we'll start working out. Forget that you haven't worked out for five years or done a sit-up for five, the past five years, Right? But you think because if you get it, right, that then you're going to start working out. I'll buy it, I'll invest, make the investment, and then I'll, and then I'll use it, right? That's the temptation of money. So we go in and we spend this money on this item, and then what happens to it? We, we try it, right? We try it out, and then it goes, sits in storage, collecting dust. 
And that thing costs $200. And so we think about that. That's a temptation of money. And here's how that temptation actually gets in the way of how we could be, get in the way of God and how God wants us to live our lives. So think about this. So what if I had taken that $200 and instead of buying it to get something that sits in my storage area collecting dust, I actually gave it to get a water filtration system to help a children and their families have clean drinking water for, for months, for a year. That same $200 that I have available could be used for good in the world, but yet what did I do? I just gave into temptation because I was given into temptation, a lot of temptation, but temptation about how to spend my money because we are constantly, constantly bombarded about how to spend our money. And if we don't have a plan for that temptation, if we don't have a plan for our money ahead of that temptation, guess what we'll do? We'll buy stuff like that. Or other, well, there are other impulse buys that we'll have, right? We'll, we'll, I'll be driving to Mount Lake Terrace this afternoon because of an impulse, right? So you see what I'm saying? Those temptations will come to us time and time again. And sometimes we just have to endure the temptation. Just go through it. Just recognize that, oh, that's a temptation. I'm not going to give in to it. I'm going to keep on doing what I plan to do with my money or with whatever, whatever. Stick to the plan, right? So that's another strategy is to endure it. So run away from it. Endure it. The third one is what I, we call exit 1226, which is Proverbs 1226. And in this proverb is some advice for us, some wisdom. The righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Here's the thing we know about temptation and we know about desire and sin and so forth is that sin is socialized. Did you know that? <laughs> that, you know, go back to my bluff illustration. Why did Matt go out on the bluff and ignore the sign and go past the logs? Why did Matt do that the other day? Because he saw other people doing it, Right? So I saw other people go out on the bluff. They didn't fall over. Ignore the sign. What's that sign? To, you know, what do they know, right? They're just being overprotective. So I go out and I do what they're doing. And then, but here's the thing. The more people that do that, it's going to create erosion and the thing's going to fall eventually, right? But the point is, is that sin and temptation is often socialized. Meaning that as I watch other people, here's the way that some of us sin this way and are tempted this way. We watch what happens to other people before we go do it, right? We'll see what happens to them, and then we'll see if they're okay, and if they survive the temptation, they've just survived, and then we'll go, oh, okay, yeah, they did all right, why not? We actually know that there are different things that if the people that we hang out with influence us, influence our decisions, influence us when it comes to temptation, and that what other people are doing around us in proximity to us, we tend to do those things as well. The sociologists tell us this is true. It's interesting, I came across an article this week, uh, Rick Reynolds posted this article, Rick Reynolds you heard a few weeks ago from Operation Nightwatch, he, um, they've been responding, uh, he's been responding a lot to some of the media interest in Seattle, uh, there's been a documentary called Seattle is Dying, and the, and the, the, pro, the problem with drug use here in the city, and so he posted an article about those uh, Vietnam veterans who returned from the Vietnam War, it turns out that the government looked at heroin addiction during Vietnam because they found that 35% of soldiers in Vietnam tried heroin while they were in Vietnam. So that's a, that's a high percentage. 
and that 20% of soldiers in Vietnam became addicted while they were in Vietnam. They tracked these addict, the, the, the addicts from Vietnam when they came back home to the United States. What they found that within the first year of them returning home, of the 20% of addicts, only 5% tried heroin again, tried drugs again the first year they were home. Only 5%. And then within the first three years, 12% had tried drugs again within the first three years of returning home. That means that nine out of 10 men and maybe some women who were addicted to heroin in Vietnam were no longer addicted to heroin when they came back to the United States. No drug treatment, no nothing. <laughs> the only difference was they changed their environment. And a big part of changing their environment was they changed the people they were spending time with. See, when they were in Vietnam, they were in a high-stress environment. There were triggers that would trigger them to choose to use the drug, but they also had friends around them that were also using the drug and encouraging them to use the drug, and it became almost contagious within that, within that uh, environment. But when they came home and those friends were gone and that stressful environment was gone, they had no decision. They, they just chose not to participate in drug use. So changing the environment, changing their friends, actually helped them overcome their addiction, even though they were addicted. So I think this is, this is really a great piece of wisdom, that part of an exit strategy is to change our environment. Change our environment. So what is your temptation? Where do you typically encounter that temptation? Change that environment. Change that place where you are, are tempted and get out of that environment which you find yourself in. And that's one of the exit strategies. That's one of the ways out of this of temptation. But it all goes back to this very basic question. What is our heart set on? Because even if our hearts are set on God and pursuing God, the reality is we're still going to be tempted. We are still going to have to fight temptation. This is not going away for us. So I think it's important not only to understand what our hearts are set on, but I think the, 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 when our hearts are set on God doesn't mean we won't be tempted, and it doesn't mean we won't fail when it comes to temptation. And sometimes, and this is just me, this is not the scripture, this is just Matt, is that I think God just wants us to fight the battle. Whether we win or lose the battle, I think God just wants to see that we're fighting it, that we're putting up a struggle, right? That we're doing something about it, that we're addressing it because our hearts are set on God and we're fighting this because God has asked us to, but also we want to become the people that God has called us to. So I think God is honored that we fight, knowing that we're not going to win every single battle. But in the long run, I think, and I think we have to actually take a long view of this process because we may lose some battles with temptation, but I think in the long run, are we beginning to win more battles than lose, right? So I think we have to actually take the long view on this. Like, so I would say if, you, if you've given in a temptation this week, you lost the battle, maybe you're even sitting here questioning, did I even fight it, right? But just get in the fight. Just get in the struggle. Look for the way out. Try and fight against it. I think that God is honored when we fight those temptations. 
But I also think to keep in mind that the reason that we fight those temptations is because we're trying to become the people God has called us to be. And as we fight, and some we win, some we lose, we're hoping that we will become better and better over time. Take the long view on this. I stumbled across a book by Eugene Peterson, and I love the title of it. It said, it was called, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A long obedience in the same direction. I think that's what it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is to just have this long obedience in the same direction towards God, trying to be who God created us to be. And to take this long view requires us to actually, what Jesus said, get off the, the, the wide road. Jesus said, you know, everybody can take the wide road. But as Christians, you're, you and I are called to the narrow road, the hard road. We're actually supposed to get off the highway and get (laughs) off-road. Take the road, so to speak, another book titled, The Road Less Traveled, to move from the road of sin and temptation to a road where we are pursuing God and pursuing holiness, and that that will take endurance, and that will take running away, and that will take change of environment and change of the people who we hang out with. It actually is a wilderness road. And I think of this season of Lent, we're in the wilderness and when Jesus was tempted, when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, all those temptations, go back and read them this afternoon, all those temptations had to do with his relationship with God. Every three temptations all had to do with whether or not he was going to honor God or honor himself. Jesus, are you going to honor yourself? Are you going to do what you want to do? Or are you going to follow God? Are you going to do what God wants you to do? Are you going to pursue God? What road are you going to choose, Jesus? The road that God has you on or the road that you want to be on? It's about what our hearts are set on. So I imagine that maybe as you've been listening this morning, that maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe there's a temptation that you're fighting against. So I just want you to ask you this question. What is the way out you're going to look for this week? That the next time that temptation hits you, what's your way out? Are you going to run away as fast as you can next time it hits you? Are you going to figure out a way to endure it, to work through it, to fight it? Or is there something you need to do today to change the environment with which you are tempted in? To maybe be preemptive. In your, in a, have a preemptive strike against it and actually change something about your week or change something about where you go or change something about who you're hanging out with so that you won't be tempted. So I challenge you to do that this week. Just look for the way out. Let's pray together.